So thank you for listening to By the Way, a podcast about contemporary art news, where I present stories about the art world to my co-host that he's probably not heard. My name is Eric. I'm an artist and an art professional here in Stockholm. And my name is Ando, and I am an artist and a uh, hangabout here in Copenhagen. Fair enough, I hang about. Uh, so today, we're going to be talking about Leonardo da Vinci and a flaming bag of dog poop. <laughs> Every episode starts with me laughing. <laughs> Dear Nick. That is my point. I'm glad if I can get you to laugh. That's the key part of this whole thing. A flaming dog poop. All right, well, hit me. All right. No, I'm not going to hit you with a bag of flaming dog poop. Um, all right. So first off, I, I, I know you follow art, but how much art news, I'm not sure. So have you heard about this Leonardo da Vinci painting that was went up for auction actually yesterday? I did. It crossed over to The Guardian, which is the newspaper, the online newspaper I read. So uh, that that became news beyond the art world, you could say. Okay. Do you, did you know it sold last night or anything like that? Or I do. It sold for the record-breaking sum of $450 million? What was it? Yeah, $450 million and change. I mean, I mean couple, at that point, you know, 350, are... <laughs> $350, $450, $450, $450, $450, $450, it's all the same. Yeah, so this this painting was estimated to go at a hundred million. It went for four fifty, uh, over twice the m- most expensive work ever sold at auction, which was a Picasso a few years back, mm. and something like three or four times uh, more than the uh, highest, let's say, old master work, which was a Rubens, and I think that sold for seventy million. So a ridiculously uh, large sum of money. Mm. Um, so just a couple quick things about the painting is uh, the the painting was kind of lost for a while. Uh, it has a really long provenance. It was made in the, roughly the 1500s. Uh, it was a part of a couple collections, got lost for a couple hundred years, kind of popped back up on the, the scene, was bought for, uh, I think it was 45 pounds because somebody thought it wasn't a Da Vinci. It was another artist's work. And then some American uh, collectors or group of collectors ended up buying it for $10,000 after it might have been contributed to him. Um, and then it then most recently came into the hands of a guy, uh, a Russian guy, where he bought it for $127 million just a few years back. Um, you can I'll, I'll, I'll give you some more uh, links to some of the background, the provenance, and show notes. But that's kind of important to know how it went from being something to being lost to dirt cheap to $450 million. Um, 45 fucking pounds. Yeah, right. Add just another zero, and that's what you get today, uh, 450. That's a lot more zeros. Oh, yeah, I guess if you would if write out the, the zeros instead. Um, but, yeah, so there's a lot of skeptics or there's a fair share of skeptics on, is this really a Da Vinci work? I How saw much? Jerry Saltz is on the nay side. Yeah, yeah. that That's one of those. Check it out in the uh, show notes because that's a great little article mm-hmm. by him uh, in Vulture magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, you, you, you picked up on that. So we'll go ahead and just skim over that. But essentially, it there's a lot of people saying doesn't quite feel like a da vinci there's some compositional issues it's kind of a little safe for him um, it seems not I, to follow into some of the other 
uh, like there's 20 known paintings. Is that what they said? And it does. Yeah, it, it, it seems unique out of those 20. Yeah. And so normally I wouldn't send you any information on what we were doing, but I did send you a link to the known like 15 or 20 works by uh, Da Vinci and just said, look at these, even mm-hmm. though you didn't know what we were going to talk about. When you look at those, you can see the compositions are much more dynamic. Um, there's always t- turning torsos or turned heads or mm-hmm. such. This one is so plain Jane and straight on, and there's quite a few drawing errors in it. Um, no background. Yeah, yeah. So um, I don't know. Do you have anything to add on your your feeling initially to the, the painting? Not really, because at this point, the only thing I've read is Jerry Saltz's article, and I was like, "Yeah, that sounds right." You know, so it's 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 total modern jackass. I don't really have any idea. I read something which I was like, mm, "Makes sense," you know. So I'm really no better than a Fox News listener at this moment. But I'm I'm a well informed Fox News listener <laughs> at this point. Um, no, so this is one of these stories that, yeah, we can easily talk about. Uh, but how does this relate to contemporary art news? That's the kind of the part that I want to kind of connect here. And this is where I'm going to start getting into some speculation, maybe making a few connections that are uh, reserved for better journalists than uh, (laughs) an artist to make. No such thing. No such thing. But, you know, I've been reading dozens of articles and they're they're overlapping information here. So Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. all this bunches of show notes on this where you can – call me out on all any of my BS, but mm. I, I think I have some pretty good uh, connections here. This so sounds like now, fun. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So at this point, I want to figure out, like, is this painting a flaming bag of dog poo or is it something more than that? <laughs> <laughs> um, so the owner of the this uh, Da Vinci painting most recently up until yesterday, was this Russian oligarch named Dmitry Roybolev. <laughs> yeah, I can't say his last name. Again, I'm going to butcher it. I apologize to our international Pronunciation listeners. is not going to be our strong part here. Articulation, accuracy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so he purchased this painting uh, along with a whole bunch of others in 2013 for $127 million dollars via a Swiss art dealer named Yves Bonnevere. Um, Is that the guy they, who ended up in The New Yorker? He, in in The New Yorker? The New Yorker wrote an article about a Swiss art dude who was being sued by a Russian art dude. Is that the Spot one? Spot on. That 99% sure. All right, that's so about this, how much I know. So, you know, that's that's the end of it. But at least yeah. I knew something. <laughs> So I'm going to call this guy Yves, and I'm going to call the Russian guy Dimitri. Just okay. much easier with the first name. So Yves, he is the, the Swiss art uh, dealer. He runs uh, – well, he's set up a couple of these, but one in particular, what are called free ports. They're tax-free havens for importing of goods and holding goods to keep them you know, from tax uh, being taxed by any country. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's kind of known to be kind of criminal – uh, in he's in a lot of hot water, right? Exactly. So he was the one who facilitated the sale of this Da Vinci along with 37 other paintings to Dimitri back in 2013. Dimitri went on a huge spending spree and spent about $2 billion at that point. So all in one big purchase with this guy. Eves. Wow. Uh, the reason there's this lawsuit 
that you talked about that was in the New Yorker is Yves kind of artificially marked up everything a whole bunch. Uh, he had purchased the work, this Da Vinci, for $80 million, and then just a few months later bumped it up $45 million and sold it on. Uh, and he did that with all the works of these 37. Isn't that just good capitalism? There's good capitalism, and then there is uh, some fraud going on as well. I don't know where the the line between capitalism and fraud is, but yeah, it's yeah. it's like selling uh, water to hurricane victims and stuff like that. You know, like you can mark up the price a little bit, but at one point it becomes fraudulent. Got it. Um, so, yeah, uh, he also took a twenty five million dollar commission on the deal instead of two million, which is a pretty standard cut as a art middleman so yeah he, he kind of you know screwed with uh dimitri but then dimitri at it he's an, a russian oligarch for a reason uh have you heard anything about this guy not aside from that article i read which was at least a year ago so i knew he was uh he was um what's the correct term he was butthurt about the deal and, As uh, it should be, <laughs> and uh, and he he was suing the shit out of Yves. Eves. He was yeah. suing the shit out of Eves, and then there was uh, his wife was involved somehow too, or something. Yeah. So Dimitri, just as a side note, he got divorced. I think in like two thousand six or eight, and mm. it was the most expensive uh, divorce in history or known history, where she got. I think four point six billion in the settlement. So, <laughs> uh, and he's worth wow. about eight and a half to ten million or ten billion, depending on you know who you ask wow. and when. That's gnarly. Yeah, so she she's also somehow maybe connected to all this for sure. And she's um, a billionaire, so you know. <laughs> yeah, a Russian oligarch. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, so not only is Dmitry also a little uh, little sketchy, um, I can. St- give you just a hair background on him in 96 he was actually arrested for the contract killing of a kind of a competitor slash um co-owner of a company that he worked with in russia are you sure we should be talking about this guy (laughs) yeah yeah, exactly (laughs) i'm protected i'm behind my keyboard (laughs) i'm I'm an internet uh warrior all right, this is our homie, uh, Dimitri, yeah. Yeah, Dimitri, exactly. That's why we go by first names here, <laughs> not because I can't say his last name. Um, but he only spent 11 months in prison, and then... For a contract that, killing? Wow. Exactly, and then he got acquitted of it all uh, by the Russian Supreme Court, essentially. So, yeah, he's not exactly a clean individual, and he put pressure on the uh, justice minister in Monaco, and obviously, a lot of people know Monaco's kind of the the tax shell, tax haven kind of place um, yeah. in Europe. So the justice minister worked with Dimitri uh, voluntarily. He got paid off on the side, and the reason that Dimitri asked him to get involved was to arrest Yves. Wow! Now, just in September, the justice minister resigned because of pressure that he was going to be removed from office because of the scandal around him and Dimitri. Um, how is this all connecting to art? Yeah, it, it, it's crazy because um, this this guy is just a piece of shit. And these are not all, but this is what the uber elite people are in the art world often. Um, 
you can look at the Podestas if we don't want to be, you know, partisan and can, you know, say it's all this mm-hmm. uh, the Russian scandal stuff. But, you know, mm-hmm. the the Podestas, they're huge art collectors. And right now they're in, you know, a whole bunch of shit with the uh, Robert Mueller and the, the U.S. government and, and investigations. So, you know, this is not a political issue. I think it's a, a corrupt, I'm super wealthy issue. Mm-hmm. This is a one percenter issue. Yeah, this is even this is the point one one of the one percent. Mm. Um, but then, um, have you heard about the Paradise Papers? Yes, I have. Okay, uh, for the the listeners that haven't, really quickly, it was a, a financial document released by um, some hackers. A law, a law company's papers, yeah. Exactly. Um, on uh, what, what island was that? Was it the Bahamas? Um, Bermuda, maybe? I can't Bermuda. actually remember. Yeah. Anyways, it was leaked documents of uh, Uber Elite's financial dealing, shell companies, all that in there. I think you'll find this kind of fun. Um, one of the people in those documents that had a shell company set up was uh, Bono of U2. I saw that. Did you? Did you hear yeah. that? See, see the name of the company that he worked with? No, I didn't. I just saw that he owned part of a mall in Lithuania or some shit like that. Yeah, you know what the name of the enterprise was? It was called uh, Nude Estates. <laughs> classy, classy. <laughs> these these rich people really know how to have a good time. Yeah, and then you have uh, this other uh, kind of celebrity artist in Spain named uh, Jose Maria Cano that was also found in this. Uh, the the Paradise Papers um, mm. of kind of doing some tax fraud, but he's also that's a that's another show. But he artificially might be inflating his prices by selling work to himself mm. uh, through his own shell company and artificially raising the the price of his own artwork. Mm-hmm. Um, his anti-capitalist artwork. Exactly right. <laughs> check, check check out his work online. He did a whole bunch of uh, uh, paintings of what are they they're their currencies right isn't it yeah oh, no, it's no. uh political figures uh it looked like they were from um from newspapers the top 100 list wasn't yeah. it yeah 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 um so that'll be, show, that'll be on the show notes right yeah all of this is going to be in the show notes there's going to be a whole bunch of show notes so anybody who wants to call us out on or call me out on this can go through the show notes and uh yeah dig into it more yeah, and I think it's probably disclaimer time. We're just a two two donkeys here. We don't really, you know, like. Okay, you've done your research. I haven't, but uh, you know, you can't take us all that seriously. If you really want to no. do it, then follow the paper trail we've been following. We'll put links up to that. Exactly. That's all I'm doing. This this podcast or this episode is about Da Vinci, but it's also all these speculative <laughs> things around this one dirty individual. Got it. Um, and how he came to acquire it, why I am a little doubtful that this Da Vinci could be as authentic as it is or as Mm -hmm. good as it is, because Mm -hmm. I think this guy is so well connected and has such influence that, um, I am not calling the credibility of, you know, Christie's and Sotheby's and the experts, but I think this individual, um, has the influence to be able to influence the art market. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, this guy also bought a, a house by Donald or from Donald Trump in 2008 that came out in the Paradise Papers, I believe, as well. Uh, Trump bought this house for like 40 million dollars, 
This guy, a few years later, bought it for $95 million. So he also is tied to uh, Donald Trump. Um, he's also tied to the uh, Secretary of Commerce in the U.S. right now named Wilbur Ross, who's under investigation uh, for having holdings together in a shipping company. Uh, this guy oh, also... Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And then this guy is also the guy who bought this Manhattan apartment for $88 million a few years back for his uh, his daughter who was going to live in it like part-time, who was like 22 years old, and set like a new record price for price per square foot in Manhattan. Mm. Um, so this guy throws around bunches of money, super well-connected, has a lot to lose, has lots of influence to make gains. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say there's much more to the authenticity of this painting beyond what you see when you look at it and what the the composition is mm-hmm. and this is where provenance comes into place and who owns a work comes into place how it gets marketed at, you know an auction house and how yeah. corrupt and scandalous that can be well do we know who bought the painting not yet uh as of this morning i didn't see that it mm. was bought by by a representative or sorry it was bought by an individual who was represented by you know uh christie's worker who right. was the con- head of the contemporary department. Right. And this work was sold in the contemporary sale instead of the old master sale because they knew they could push the price higher. Which is strange because it's uh, not An old a contemporary artwork. Exactly. But the, the thing, it strikes me that the, one of the big problems, you know, people cry and whine a lot about uh, the art world and money and prestige and stuff. But when art became an asset on the same level that certain types of resale, res- on the level that certain types of real estate became an asset on the way that, uh, you know, when, when holding companies, shell companies, when, uh, you know, when, when, when art started being purchased to be held in storage as a way to put a hundred million here or 50 million there into a 40 by 40, centimeter package uh that's kind of when a lot of trouble you know a lot of a lot of shit started because i actually don't really have a problem with very rich people buying really expensive prestige artworks to to show them because they're really happy about it like i want a roscoe or and i think they should i think if you can afford it absolutely you know I have nothing against uh, rich people on this part. I have a problem against certain rich people the same way I'd have things against certain poor people. Well, also just when the art does not effort, uh, does not represent anything but a way to store money. Yeah, it is. And, you know, something like this piece that sat in a, a free port in Switzerland, it was never coming out of storage. Not we may to... never see it again. I don't know. I mean, unless it goes on auction again. And if it sticks in private hands, there's no reason at this point for the future owner to challenge its authenticity uh, and have it, you know, studied more or X-rayed. And oh, no one's going to do that. Uh, yeah, unless it, I mean, because it's going to undermine it. And someone's going to be out four hundred and forty-nine million. You know, if if it gets debunked. Well, if it gets debunked, it's back down to 45 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's some heavy shit. 
Yeah, so like I said, this episode is just a lot of speculation. And is this painting a Da Vinci or just a flaming bag of dog poop? Um, I really wonder. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's it's so hard to wrap something like this up because um, it's so outside of our wheelhouse as well. All I know about this stuff is things I've read. I do follow political news a fair mm-hmm. amount, so I have followed up on the Paradise Papers a fair amount. Um as well as uh, some news about art at that level. Um, but the thing is, like, basically, the fact is we don't really know. We don't no. really know what's up with these people. We don't really know. They do everything they can to obfuscate and hide their what they do, their dealings, their, you know, all this sort of stuff. And, and, and we just have no idea. We don't even know why because it's not – it's not, you know, it doesn't seem like these works then get donated to public collections or, you know, they don't resurface. There was once upon a time in which philanthropists would amass art collections and then donate them to museums or something like that. This doesn't seem to be the case uh, in, in these instances. No, not definitely not in this instance. I know that in uh, China, for example, in the last, call it 10 years, quite a few wealthy individuals that have made buckets of money because of the economic upswing there have been uh, amassing large art collections to build personal art museums as a right as a or way like in to... South Africa there's that one that just opened in Cape Town too exactly and a lot of those are also tax schemes mm-hmm. they're ways to acquire work uh, amass wealth in a different way and avoid taxes because they set them up in certain uh, sure Prada Foundation certain... in Milan probably yeah so you know even when they do come to uh, a public audience and you know the public's allowed to come in there's still something a little nefarious behind it for some reason to to wrap all this up all i have to say is you know this da vinci painting if it is a da vinci painting which i'm going to say it is is very scandalous, uh, mm-hmm. not because of the work itself, but how how it came to auction, who most recently owned it, the individual. Um, and that's actually going to add to the value even more than this 450 it just sold for. Um, because provenance is one thing, but the story with provenance even adds more. That's why the Mona Lisa is what it is. It wasn't quite as famous as it was until it was stolen. Uh, in I think it was 1962, so I I have a feeling, regardless of if this painting is uh, Da Vinci or not, is it any good or is it not? It has so much smoke around it that it's going to become iconic almost because of that alone, and that is the scary part of the auction houses having such control over the art market right now. Mm-hmm. Is they they can produce the smoke to make fire, um, and with this they did. Um, there's there's no reason why it needed to. That, well, no, I wouldn't say there's no reason why it shouldn't. But there's a lot of odd things that they did to market it and um, drive up the price. And I don't know. Right. It's all it's all very. Uh, it's it's not above the boards. 
most of it you no. know and that's what wait, there's just enough information to pique the interest and not enough information to really know what's going on but the fact of the matter is at the end of the day none of this is anything we can even get near we have no idea no and i wouldn't even be surprised if it comes out that you know this was bought by another holding company that was indebted to this guy as a way to bail him out of this you know potential loss that he was going to take on this painting by getting ripped off by the the swiss art dealer yves right you know it's just a, a shell game of moving money around right um, uh, moving debts and uh personal debts as well as financial debts with each mm, other mm. um well in that sense i can recommend uh, as as a wrap-up a game that a company made called kleptocracy i think uh, i've heard of that it's an app for your iPhone or iPad and maybe even Android in which you basically play the game of being a kleptocrat and you have to move money around and avoid the uh, investigator. And it's actually made by an investigation company. So the tactics for doing it are ones they have investigated. Uh, it's, it's called Kleptocracy. I just started playing it. It's, uh, it's, it's a fascinating game. I, I, I want to... I want to get on that. Actually, that sounds fascinating. To be honest, it is. should we? We should reach out to them and uh, see if they want to be a sponsor of this episode. <laughs> That's a great idea. All right. Well, let's wrap it up then, huh? All right. Go ahead. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening to this episode of By the Way. I hope you figured out whether uh, you're dealing with dog shit or masterpieces here. And, uh, and, and not talking about the the host of the show. <laughs> There's no answer to that question. Um, so, yeah, we appreciate it. And be sure to check us out on the face of the book and uh, Instagram and Twitter. We're not on Twitter, are we? Yeah, we're on Twitter. Okay, on Twitter. Um, we got a LinkedIn all, page. Yeah, and on LinkedIn, and we're all over the place. You can find show notes so you can follow up and read actually informed adults writing with fact-checked uh, you know, processes behind their writing, we would encourage you to do so. And give us feedback. Call us out on uh, something if we were totally off base. Mm -hmm. um, this show close, is... You know, give us a little bit of leeway, but yeah. <laughs> or just yell at us uninformedly. Sure. Um, but we would like to engage the public. Absolutely. That's absolutely yeah. right. So you can contact us via our uh, website, via all our social media, whatever. You can suggest future topics to talk about. It's all open there. And uh, this also goes bears mentioning that we are part of a larger platform called Cultural Bandwidth, which is just just launching now. It's at culturalbandwidth.com. There's other podcasts, another show I run called The Undergang Armchair, which is conversations with artists. They'll be writing about shows. It's Scandinavia-based. Come check it out. Excellent. Hopefully uh, everybody enjoyed this episode. Thanks for joining me, Ando, on this wild ride of speculation. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, we'll just uh, we'll catch you guys next time. 